Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Wednesday, January 11th, and we start with local news. The city of Columbia was awarded a $4.8 million grant from the Federal American Rescue Plan Fund, which will be used to help fund the new wastewater plan in Columbia, increasing the city's wastewater treatment capacity for years to come. The grant would also fund construction costs to renovate and replace old sewer lines, as well as replacement of the Duck River sewage pumping station. Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder said the city is pleased to be awarded the ARP grant to be administered by the state to help with building a new $65 million wastewater treatment plant in Columbia, the largest capital project in the city's history. The city of Columbia recently embarked upon its biggest capital project in city history with what will be a new state-of-the-art wastewater treatment plant upon completion, a project that will ensure adequate wastewater facilities for the next 50 years, Mulder said. This grant will go towards that overall investment, allowing the city to defer costs and allowing taxpayers to have even less of a burden, he said. The city's grant, announced by the Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation on Friday, is part of 24 grants totaling $125.9 million administered by TDEC in the form of drinking water, wastewater, and stormwater infrastructure grants. The grants announced Friday follow the announcement of 18 grants totaling $72.4 million from the ARP fund in August and October, bringing the total awarded by TDEC year-to-date to $198.4 million. State Representative Scott Sapicki also stated the impact the grant will have on rapidly growing Columbia. As Columbia continues to grow, it is vital that we have the necessary infrastructure in place to best serve our residents and businesses. Sapicki said. This grant will help address critical needs that currently exist, while also ensuring that our community continues to thrive for years to come. I appreciate TDEC's continued partnership and support of these very important projects, he said. Tennessee received $3.725 billion from the ARP, and the state's Financial Stimulus Accountability Group dedicated $1.35 billion of those funds to TDEC to support water projects and communities throughout Tennessee. Of the $1.35 billion, approximately $1 billion was designated for non-competitive formula-based grants offered to counties and eligible cities. The remaining funds will go to state-initiated projects and competitive grants. These grants will address important water infrastructure needs throughout our state, especially those among disadvantaged communities, Governor Bill Lee said. We look forward to the improvements the projects will bring, and we commend the communities who have gone through the application process, he said. Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally called the grants critically important now more than ever to help ensure secure the state's infrastructure for years to come, while Speaker of the House Cameron Sexton said the grants will help the state's cities and counties during a time of great growth. According to McNally, the state's Fiscal Accountability Group worked to make sure the funds were spent appropriately and efficiently. Before a crowd of more than 150 people who had gathered Monday at Allenbrook Farms in Spring Hill, Governor Bill Lee, along with Tennessee Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart McWhorter, presented a total of over $446 million in grants for the expansion of Internet access to unserved areas across the state. 
The project, a partnership with United Communications, Middle Tennessee Electric, and Duck River Electric, is expected to provide reliable internet to 150,000 Tennesseans. Using $53.4 million of the total granted, around 12,000 residents of Middle Tennessee, including parts of rural Murray County, will receive access to broadband internet. We wouldn't be here if we didn't have the program started by Governor Lee, said McWhorter. State legislation, including a broadband tax moratorium, has helped pave the way for current internet expansion efforts. McWhorter recognized the importance of legislation in creating broadband investment opportunities. Governor Lee spoke to the personal importance of this project, citing his first executive order as governor to assess the needs of rural Tennessee communities. We need to have an economy that works for all Tennesseans, he said, and access to technology will allow that to happen, he said. William Bradford, president and CEO of United Communications, praised the local support for the project and said it would not be possible without help from local communities. It's pretty cool to see, as a resident of Williamson County myself, all this will make a huge impact on our communities, said Bradford, and we're just getting started, he said. State funding for this project has been matched by funds raised locally and will impact the ability of people in rural communities to work, communicate, and have access to health care. This is entirely a local effort. This is local leaders serving local people, and lives will be changed, said Governor Lee. Funding for the grants comes from the Tennessee Emergency Broadband Fund, American Rescue Plan, which is partially supported by federally allocated funds for economic recovery in the wake of COVID-19. All projects to expand Internet access through these grants must be completed within three years. In addition to Murray County, other counties being served with this investment are Bedford, Franklin, Giles, Lincoln, Marshall, Moore, and Williamson Counties. To learn more about the current efforts to expand Internet access, visit www.projectunitetn.net. Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder and Vice Mayor Randy McBroom will be sworn into office in a ceremonial event at J.E. Woodard Elementary School on Thursday, January 12th. This event will be held in the school's gymnasium with limited seating. It is free and open to the public to attend. Visitors may begin arriving at 9 a.m. and the program begins at 9.30. Chaz Mulder won his bid for a second term as mayor of Columbia and Randy McBroom won his first election bid for vice mayor in November. Both are looking forward to visiting Woodard for this event. I'm honored to have the opportunity to be sworn in for a second term as mayor for the city I love, and I'm even more excited to have the event in front of a school-wide assembly at Woodard Elementary, exclaimed Mayor Mulder. Within that student body sits future public servants, including the possibility of a future mayor. It is my hope that by bringing this event to them, the students will leave with an understanding of city government and a love for their hometown, he said. Newly elected Vice Mayor Randy McBroom commented, I am both honored and excited for the opportunity to be sworn in as Vice Mayor at J.E. Woodard Elementary School. What makes it extra special is that many of my family members have attended Woodard. It is a great honor to serve the city of Columbia, he said. Woodard Elementary School Principal Carol Ann Gent was quick to embrace the idea of hosting this important ceremonial event that will be taking place in front of her elementary school students. We are thrilled Mayor Mulder and Vice Mayor McBroom will be sworn in in the J.E. Woodard Elementary School, stated Gent. The future of Columbia is its youth, and I am excited Mayor Mulder is sharing this moment with our students, she said. 
Join Murray Alliance on Tuesday, January 24th at 11.30 a.m. for their annual Education Lunch, How CTE Programs and Community Partnerships Are Preparing Tomorrow's Workforce in Murray County. During this year's event, Murray Alliance President Will Evans will lead a panel discussion with representatives from Murray County Public Schools and Columbia State Community College. They will discuss career and technical education, or CTE, programs, existing partnerships between our public school system, Columbia State, and local industries, future growth opportunities, and more. Panelists for the discussion include Dr. Janet F. Smith, President of Columbia State Community College, Lisa Ventura, Murray County Superintendent of Schools, Keith Stacy, Assistant Superintendent of Instruction, Amy Roberts, Murray County Public Schools CTE Supervisor, Terry Thornton, Murray County Public Schools CTE Workforce Development and Career Coach, Melody Murphy, the Director of Workforce and Continuing Education at Columbia State Community College, and Marin Mostajir, Director of Engineering Systems Technology at Columbia State. For more information about the event, visit www.murrayalliance.com. Patients at Murray Regional Medical Center now have a new option to treat end-stage and debilitating ankle arthritis. In the past, patients with severe ankle arthritis typically turn to ankle fusion, where the ankle bones are fused together surgically to relieve pain. While total ankle arthroplasty, a surgical procedure to restore function to the joint, has been performed at Murray Regional Medical Center since 2016, surgeons now have advanced technology to perform total ankle replacement. On December 2nd, Murray Regional Medical Center orthopedic surgeons Dr. Carson Strickland and Dr. Randall Davidson Jr. performed the first total ankle replacement surgery at Murray Regional Medical Center utilizing the Infinity Total Ankle System with Prophecy Surgical Planning from Stryker. This innovative technology is a more patient-specific technique and allows surgeons to precisely size and place an implant in relation to the patient's anatomy. In the past, when people had ankle arthritis that failed conservative management, they were offered an ankle fusion. Though a good operation, people often complained of stiffness and a gait that did not feel natural. Now there are joint sacrificing options that preserve motion, and the literature is showing that ankle replacement may be a better option than fusion for some patients, Dr. Strickland said. The technology has been there for a long time for knee and hip replacements, and it's starting to catch up with ankles, he said. Surgeons performing a total ankle replacement replace damaged cartilage with an implant that can bend and flex easily, similar to the native ankle joint. As opposed to fusion surgery, which immobilizes the ankle to relieve arthritis pain, the implant allows for more motion and recovery time can also be significantly shorter, allowing for earlier weight bearing. The total ankle replacement offering from Stryker provides three different implants that can be selected for a specific patient, as well as patient-specific instrumentation through the use of custom 3D-printed guides in the operating room. This allows for more reliable and reproducible component replacement in an anatomic position, as well as reduced surgical time and x-ray exposure in the operating room. The goal is to give the patient the best chance to have a good functional outcome and preserve the longevity of the implants, Dr. Davidson said. I've been doing total ankles at Murray Regional since 2016 and believe this new technology should improve the long-term results of the procedure, he said. Total ankle replacement surgery is ideal for patients with severe ankle arthritis caused by a previous injury, osteoarthritis, caused by gradual wear and tear, or rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune inflammatory disease. Most ankle arthritis can be linked to a previous injury or a series of small repeated injuries like isolated sprains or strains suffered over a period of several years. 
When it's affecting your lifestyle and you can't walk pain-free, it may be time to surgically intervene to improve your quality of life, Dr. Strickland said. You don't have to live with the pain, he said. To learn more about joint replacement surgery at Murray Regional Medical Center, visit www.murrayregional.com forward slash joint dash replacement. For more information about foot and ankle solutions from Stryker, including total ankle replacements, visit footankle.stryker, that's S-T-R-Y-K-E-R dot com. A few years ago, Spring Hill residents were ecstatic about a wider Highway 31. The project was on the state's three-year plan, an indicator that smoother commutes might be imminently in the heavily traveled corridor directly connecting the city with Interstate 840, Thompson Station, and Franklin. However, that sentiment has changed in recent years. The project was not on the Tennessee Department of Transportation's three-year plan released in April, which included a $3.6 billion for 58 projects in 34 counties. A state legislator representing Spring Hill, as well as the city mayor, both aim to get the project back on TDOT's priority to-do list. I was under the assumption that we were well on our way to getting Highway 31 widened, said Representative Todd Warner, who represents District 92 that includes parts of Williamson County and all of Marshall County. Warner, who became a Williamson County legislator after last year's redistricting process, spoke to the Spring Hill Board of Mayor and Alderman last month. I was made aware not to expect widening for at least five to six years, Warner said. I made TDOT aware that's unacceptable to us down here, he said. Warner said his understanding was that Thompson Station leadership maybe wasn't as on board as Spring Hill was at one time. Maybe that's the reason it was taken off, Warner added. However, Spring Hill Mayor Jim Hageman said the newly elected Thompson Station Mayor Brian Stover is supportive of the project. Stover stated that the town has a productive and collaborative working relationship with TDOT and cited technical reports from the highway widening project that were created in collaboration with town leaders and staff. The town fully supports the Highway 31 widening project and requests that TDOT add it to their annual three-year plan, said Stover in an email. Stover added that he hoped TDOT officials recognize the urgent need to begin construction as soon as possible. Warner wondered if one of Spring Hill's former state lawmakers, Representative Sam Whitson, a Republican from Franklin, might know more about the project's progress. Whitson served on the state legislature's Transportation Committee last year. Whitson stated that sometimes projections change, but added there's been no funding pulled from this project, he said. Whitson was optimistic about the new interchange at Interstate 65 and Buckner Road that's expected to be complete this year. He said it would alleviate some traffic on Highway 31. Still, he recognized that the widening project is a priority. I drove up Highway 31 from Spring Hill during the holidays, and it was just a mess, Whitson said. Whitson emphasized that the TDOT three-year plan is a planning document. It can change. The key is getting funding, Whitson said. The preliminary engineering phase has not been funded yet. It's going to happen. It's just competing with other programs right now, he said. The Spring Hill Board of Mayor and Aldermen approved a resolution January 3rd to send the state legislature uh, to send to the state legislature stating that the city recognizes the critical importance of widening Highway 31, which is also Main Street in Spring Hill, to increase traffic flow and reduce congestion. The resolution also notes that the city has obligated more than $655,000 toward preliminary design and right-of-way for the project, and the city will commit to continue to support and partner with TDOT in each and every way possible to achieve the widening needed as soon as possible. 
Now that the resolution has passed, Warner said he'll contact state transportation officials. I'm going to make it my goal to hound TDOT at least once or twice a month to see if we can get Highway 31 widening moved back up, he said. Warner said he would ask to be on the Transportation Committee in the upcoming session, but ultimately the decision will be made by House Speaker Cameron Sexton. Warner has, was joined in the Spring Hill board meeting by Representative Kip Capley of Summertown and Representative Scott Sapicki of Cullioca. Capley represents District 71, which includes part of Murray, Hardin, and Lawrence counties, as well as Wayne County. Sapicki represents District 64, that includes part of Murray County. Also in Attendance was Senator Joey Hensley, who represents District 28, which includes Giles, Lawrence, Lewis, Murray, Perry, and Wayne counties. Even if the project is prioritized, the city estimates that pre-construction tasks alone, including design, right-of-way acquisition, and utility relocation, could take up to seven years to complete. Spring Hill leaders have pushed for expanding the highway for several years. Nearly a decade ago, the former mayor argued for the city to completely take over the widening project on the state highway. In 2016, the city began working with an engineering firm on plans for widening to five lanes with lower right-of-way costs that then were initially projected. Those plans proposed a five-lane cross-section, but with narrower than standard lanes. In 2019, TDOT signed off on an environmental study required by federal law to be conducted along Highway 31. TDOT is doing all the NEPA and paying for it. TDOT is paying for the study as well as right-of-way acquisition and construction. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. Steve Benjamin King, 57, a former employee of the Reserve at Spring Hill Apartments and a resident of Clifton Scott Road, died Monday at Murray Regional Medical Center. Funeral services for Mr. King will be conducted on Wednesday at 2 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Scott Family Cemetery. Mrs. Deborah Dean Fitzgerald, 65, employee of Haller Insurance Company and a resident of Columbia, died Sunday, January 8th at Murray Regional Medical Center. No services are scheduled at this time for Mrs. Fitzgerald. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have a cloudy day today with a slight chance of a rain shower. The high will reach 62 degrees with winds out of the south at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect cloudy skies followed by thunderstorms late. The low will be 59 degrees with winds out of the south kicking up to 10 to 20 miles per hour. 
The chance of overnight rain, 80%. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwingGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwing Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwing Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, friends. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you have given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Adult education in Tennessee, it's more than just a diploma. It's a path to a better life. It's a way to help you communicate more effectively. From high school equivalency classes and testing to English as a second language and college prep courses, there's no shortage of opportunities to enhance the lives of you and your family. Adult education in Tennessee, it's more than just a diploma. Go to TNWorkReady.com to unlock your maximum potential. Brought to you by Tennessee Adult Education, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news, 
and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Tennessee lawmakers on Tuesday gaveled in the 113th Tennessee General Assembly, where criminal justice, abortion, and infrastructure are among the top issues to watch in the coming months. Work is expected to be relatively light through January as newly elected lawmakers settle into their new offices, with committee work likely to heat up in earnest in February. Both chambers, where Republicans wield supermajority power, re-elected Speaker of the Senate and Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally and House Speaker Cameron Sexton to serve for another session. Sexton defeated Democratic Caucus Chair John Ray Clemens from Nashville in a 76-22 vote. Representative Antonio Parkinson, a Democrat from Memphis, was the lone Democrat to vote for Sexton. The other missing vote was the seat previously held by the now-deceased Representative Barbara Cooper, a Democrat from Memphis. A special election to fill Cooper's seat is scheduled for March. I know we fuss, fight, bicker, and argue at times in this building, Sexton said during his acceptance speech. There's nothing wrong with a good and robust debate, he said. We all have differences because we are all unique individuals with different backgrounds and experiences, he said. My wish is for us, for us, is at the end of the day that we can come together and all work for the betterment of Tennessee, he said. Senate Republicans voted unanimously to re-elect McNally. The six Senate Democrats abstained from voting. In a speech after the vote, McNally praised the chamber's conservatism, but also complimented his colleagues for working across partisan and ideological lines to serve their home districts. Each member of this body has the best interest of their constituents at heart, and they strive to put the state's interests above their own, he said. Let's get back to work. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart McWhorter, and In-N-Out Burger officials yesterday announced the company's plan to invest $125.5 million to establish an Eastern Territory office in Franklin, which represents In-N-Out's first expansion east of Texas. The project will create 277 new jobs in Williamson County. Located off Interstate 65 in Franklin, In-N-Out will begin construction on its 100,000-square-foot office building by late 2024, with construction slated to be completed by 2026. The Eastern Territory office will house positions that support various business functions, from operations management to HR and IT. In-N-Out is recognized as a company that is committed to treating its associates like family. In addition to the Eastern Territory office, In-N-Out plans to open future restaurants in the region, beginning with locations in and around Nashville by 2026. Currently, In-N-Out has 385 locations throughout California, Nevada, Arizona, Utah, Texas, Oregon, and Colorado. The Tennessee restaurants will be In-N-Out's first establishment east of Texas. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee today, and now our final story. Gaylord Opryland Resort continues seasonal festivities beyond the holidays with a resort's Winterfest event full of frosty fun for the entire family. With temperatures dropping daily, guests of Gaylord Opryland can enjoy a winter getaway while partaking in weekend Arctic-inspired activities beginning on January 13th and running through February 20th. In addition to the seasonal events, guests can warm up inside Sound Waves, the resort's upscale aquatic attraction, enjoy a variety of culinary cuisine, or relax at Relache Spa with a variety of soothing seasonal treatments. Winterfest activities include wintry walk scavenger hunt where snowy sleuths can put their heads together to solve polar puzzles, the Delta River Boat Ride where you can hop on a river flatboat ride on the resort's winding Delta River inside the Delta Atrium full of exotic plants, take carriage rides, Partake in frigid, the Frigid Fun Zone, uh, where there are arts and crafts activities, and Magnolia Lights, the resort's stunning outdoor lights adorning the Magnolia Lawn, which will be shining brightly all the way through Winterfest. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM, WKRN Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.